Hello, everyone, and welcome to Random Encounter 241 or 241. I am your host, as per usual, John O'Logan. And uh, the last two weeks, I have been really hit by the spring cleaning bug. You know, it's that time of year. It's you, you just you look around and you think, oh, I got to get rid of some of this clutter and you just dive right into it. And in my case, I'm talking about spring cleaning with video games because I am very lazy and I do not want to clean my condo. Instead, I want to clean up my DLC. So I'm not touching my backlog, really. I was I decided I'm going to go through and complete all of the DLC that I've been neglecting for the last little while. So for the last two weeks, uh, I've been playing. Actually, you know what? We're going to get to that in a little bit. I'll, we'll talk about uh, the DLC that I've been playing. But I am not the only person on this podcast who has been playing some games lately. Uh, we have two others. So first of all, let's uh, welcome our returning champion, Otter Bowling. Hello, hello. And uh, making her very first appearance in the podcast, a recent hire here RPG fan, Tara Blair. Hey, how's it going? Uh, just out of curiosity, uh, have either of you been bitten by the spring cleaning bug yet, either in terms of video games or in just, you know, the boring cleaning your house kind of spring cleaning? Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Kind of. I've been reorganizing things. That's like cleaning, but you know, it, it, it actually that can, that can make more mess now that I think about it. It can. Organizing stuff for me usually means taking all the books off of the shelf and putting them on the floor and then putting them back on the shelf in a new order. Unfortunately, that second part doesn't usually happen for about two days. So yay, mess. <laughs> yes, I'm I'm 100% doing that. Um, video games and also real life. I am still unpacking from a move that was unexpected. Our house flooded and we were out of our house for four months. So now I'm unpacking four months worth of stuff that was stashed in our uh, temporary home, which was a hotel for four months. So definitely spring cleaning. Is your house okay? Yeah, my condo's 100% okay now. They've fully renovated it so it's like moving back into a brand new place oh that's cool but it was it was a lot to deal with um especially you know with covid and everything like that but it's just you know i'm home i'm happy to be home and i am now you know it kind of gives me a new perspective to just clear out stuff because i'm like moved back in yeah you're like do i really need all this stuff no (laughs) the answer is no you really don't I know. I don't need like all of my stuff, but I like my stuff. I like my stuff too. <laughs> yeah. And I kind of want more stuff. Yes. I always yes. want more stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. It's that kind of mentality that leads to gaming backlogs, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but exactly. uh, you two have not been working on your backlogs. Instead, you've been working on stuff for me, which I appreciate. Um because uh, there are a lot of games that are coming out, a lot of indie games right now, because some of the big titles have settled down. I know E3 is canceled. I still think of it as E3 season, um, where all of the gaming shows happen, and that's going to be coming up pretty soon. And that is that is madness time here at RPG Fan, where we're scrambling around trying to report the news and watch every show and talk about them on podcasts and things like that. So uh, we'll be reporting on all of that in a few months. But let's focus on some smaller games right now. And one of them being, uh, it is... Okay, well, here's a question for the listeners. Did you have a Game Boy when you were a kid? If the answer is yes, then this game might actually be of interest to you. It is called Bit Orchard Animal Valley. And Tara, you are currently playing it. And it is a... I guess you could say it's like a retro-style farm sim. Exactly. Um, Think of really early Harvest Moon. That kind of style, but... Basically, black and white with splashes of color here and there. Um, It's totally reminiscent of the Game Boy era, but playing on Switch. (laughs) (laughs) 
Which is the, I mean, it's, I know it's available on some other platforms, but if you're going to be playing a Game Boy style game, at least the Switch is a Nintendo uh, console. Exactly. Um, And playing it on the Switch, very reminiscent of playing it on a, on a kind of more modern Game Boy today. Yeah. I mean, in recent years, farm sims have really started to become more like life sims. Uh, and actually, even beyond that, they have like dungeon crawling mechanics and they have fishing mini games with base building mechanics and and a lot of relationship building uh, as well, where you have to go out and you have to find yourself a wife or a husband or a partner and you have to save the town from the evil corporation. Uh, the uh, Stardew Valleyization of farming sims. And that's not a bad thing necessarily, but sometimes you want a bit more of a pure experience, I guess you could say. Um, that, like you said, is much more reminiscent of the original Harvest Moon for the Super Nintendo system. And Bit Orchard kind of, it sounds like, delivers that, like a much more streamlined and focused farming-esque experience. Exactly. It's really taken the farming sim and just stripped it down to the bare basics. Um, it has literally on screen, there's a task sheet and it literally tells you what you need to do. But figuring out how to do it is another story entirely. <laughs> that feels very much like my own personal to-do list, actually. I'm like, here's everything I need to do. Oh, I know how to do it. Oh. Um, well, I guess th- the obvious part is uh, it's right in the title, Bit Orchard. Rather than a farm, you're... Uh, you're working on an orchard. So what's the what's the general setup for the game? So when you start out, you have a very tiny orchard and you have a farmhouse. And um, of course, your task is to plant as many apple trees as you can, collect different types of apples, expand it. Um, and you can also decorate the inside of your house. Um, and then later on, there comes options to expand the orchard. So it goes from being like this little tiny sliver to a huge map. And also time passes by very fast in the game. But you aren't penalized for um, kind of, you know, staying up too late as you are in other sim games. Mm. Oh, that's nice. Such a starty. Yeah, exactly. Like where your health or your items can all be stolen from you. You just kind of get reset into bed. The next day, um, and you can actually speed it up by just doing the same kind of setup in Stardew, where you just quickly do everything you need to do and just skip to the next day, just to make the orchard grow faster. Mm. Um, it takes about fifteen days in game to get like your crops going. So there's all that that you kind of need to progress through. Um, I got through the really early part of the game pretty quickly once I figured out, hey, I can manipulate time. So I (laughs) I took advantage of that because otherwise, I mean, you're going to, like I said, you're going to, you're going to progress through the game fast anyway, whether you like it or not, because of the time going so fast. And the only way to really pause that is just to actually pause the game. Mm. Um, But you really, you have to, you wake up and you got to get what you need to get done and then just boom, next day. So It's like that. And there is, of course, a story element to it that I'm discovering. Like, um, I don't really want to give away too much for people who haven't played it yet. But there's something that you have to do to get, like, the biggest orchard you can. And I thought that was kind of clever. And it reminded me of something in Animal Crossing, actually. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really cute. Um, And I'm working on hopefully getting into the village. We will see. Um, (laughs) we were chatting about this earlier, but one of the things you have to catch a bunny and you have to catch a frog and I can't catch the frog. (laughs) 
and it is just driving me crazy and I really want to catch that frog just so I can progress to the rest of the game because the game won't let you kind of just skip it. You have to do it. And then apparently I have to do it a hundred times. So <laughs> wait, is that catch a fr- catch one frog a hundred times or catch a hundred frogs? Um, catch the same frog a hundred times. Oh, oh. does it just yeah. get away from you? <laughs> yeah, apparently, I mean, the bunny becomes like your permanent pet, but Aww. the the frog just stays on the orchard, and you have to keep chasing him. Um, so that's that's kind of a little frustrating. And when I have my review come out for the site, I will be mentioning. That. <laughs> The frustrations of the frog. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, what is the general gameplay, like the day, I guess, literally the day-to-day gameplay loop like? So wake up, um, check your tasks, plant the seeds, check what's already grown. Um, obviously, you have like your basic apples, then there's big apples, and there's golden, and then you mail them, and that pays you, like, it pays you out different amounts, and you need money to be able to progress in the game. Mm. To buy either more seeds, to buy scarecrows so the crows don't actually eat your apples, like in real life, um, or to buy sprinklers um, to water your crops because the bigger your map gets, the more running around you're going to have to do to water your crops. And if you don't water them every day, you're not going to get better apples. Mm. Um, the hardest apple to get is probably the golden apples. So usually I'm checking, I wake up and I check every day to see hey, did I get these apples? Do I need to save an apple? Because sometimes it wants you to like give a particular apple to somebody. Um, so if you've already sold it and you got to reset the cycle and do it all over again. And because time passes so fast, you really got to focus on what you're doing. Um, mm. and, you, and you can't really move fast. You try to, but you can't. <laughs> it's just, it's that basic of a game, but I think it has charm. Like the charm is that it's just so basic that it really takes me back to when I was playing those games on my Game Boy and Game Boy Color and things were just so much simpler back then. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great to have a game like that. Um, So that's what I do. And you have and you have to make sure you mail out your apples to sell or you won't be able to sell them. Yeah. Um, And then the store is actually inside your house through the phone oh so it's like mail order exactly i guess it's not mail order phone order exactly (laughs) um so at first i'm like where's the store i'm kind of trapped here i can't really find where the store is and then i'm like oh the store is inside my my house this whole time so you do that you can (laughs) just like the pandemic really exactly (laughs) (laughs) exactly i'm like are you sure this game is not 2020 all over again (laughs) the store is in your house exactly (laughs) everything is in your house exactly so you have to also be mindful of what you're clicking on because i've made mistakes and i've spent like all my cash on something i didn't need also like the pandemic exactly (laughs) (laughs) exactly so you can't can't undo it so you got to pay attention you can decorate like you can buy all these different decorations for inside your house so you've got that aspect um it's just it's basically, it's very simple. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. Just trying to figure out how to clear the tasks is another story entirely. Yeah, that, which seems to be the thing of the game. It really does sound like it's going back to the classic Harvest Moon style of gameplay loop. Uh, and that is very welcome, uh, especially if you are, this sounds like it'd be a really great game for like, well, not that many people are doing it nowadays, but like a commute kind of thing. Exactly. You can yeah. easily, you can just pick it up and put it down. You don't have to like, I mean, for me, obviously, I mean, even though I'm reviewing it, 
I still got into it and I'm like, oh my God, I'm pl- I've been playing this for like two hours already and I don't want to put it oh, down. Wow. <laughs> that was my first night with the game. I just, I couldn't put it down because I was just trying to clear everything so fast. And then of course I got stuck, mm-hmm. but um, it, it is really that kind of game. You can just kind of, if you need something just to zen out to, I suggest playing it just for how how chill it is yeah zenning out is a uh is definitely one of the reasons why a lot of people love farm sims and Mm -hmm. the more complex they get i think sometimes the less you can zen out exactly i mean i've played a lot of sim games um i did like my time at porsche but i found it to be a little overwhelming Mm -hmm. so i couldn't really get into it and then when i finally got my hands on stardew i was hooked and i saw i saw I saw the appeal of that. And then, of course, Animal Crossing and Harvest Moon and all the other Mm -hmm. titles. So, I mean, but when you look at this game, it's just taking you back to a different kind of era where things were just just basic and just simple. And it was just it was really wasn't so much about the aesthetics of it. It was more about just having like a chill time gaming and enjoying it. I I raised a question a few weeks ago on this uh, on this show when I was talking about Rune Factory 5 where I. I asked why why bother playing Rune Factory Five if we have Stardew Valley, which raised the ire of uh, of Nikki on the site quite a bit. And oh. she's like, "I'll tell you why because werewolves, <laughs> cute werewolves." Um, but uh, I can see the appeal of this kind of uh, farm game over something that's a little bit more complex. Uh, speaking of complex, like we were talking about earlier, uh, this game I guess it emulates the style of graphics that you would have seen on the original Game Boy, which. The original Game Boy was a 8-bit system, although it wasn't like on the same, it wasn't as powerful as like an 8-bit system like the NES or the or the Master System. Um, but it used a a green dot matrix screen, which was the background was solid green, and you were dealing with like actually some rather impressive graphics for the time in some cases. Um, but with no backlight at all. It was it was very, very it was a very basic time. Um and oftentimes those limitations actually led to creativity and creative solutions for games. I'm curious, because this game uses uh, that style of graphics, does it embrace any of the limitations of, like, the Game Boy? Like, does it do anything with the style? Um, Yes and no. I mean, as you said, the Game Boy was very limited, so most of the games were, of course, in black and white. Mm -hmm. Um, Until the color came out, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, So this game takes that but adds splashes of color. So when you're watering your crops you see green when the uh apple trees sprout um there's red there's different aspects of color on top of the black and white background um your character is very very basic in design Mm -hmm. but you're able to kind of see where your character is on the map at all times depending on how cluttered your orchard is um my advice is to not make it that cluttered so you can just (laughs) kind of see where you're going um but i think it expanded on what the limitations are and just made it workable for the nintendo switch because um there are things that were kind of game boy style that i have played on the switch and they did not it did not work well Mm. but i feel like this does work well and then it and then there's aspects that don't work well and it also has the classic you know chiptune music which is adorable that's something i wanted to actually ask you about which is i I read that the music of this game is actually great it is it is it's really it's adorable (laughs) it's great it keeps you engaged for sure um i've played games where the music was just either awful or overwhelming 
Um, and this has a perfect blend. So I, I enjoyed listening to it. it it's a bop for sure. <laughs> yeah, the graphic style reminds me quite a bit of uh, a, a very different genre, although similar similar overhead view. It's a it's a Zelda like called Minute, which I mentioned on here a few uh, a few weeks ago. And it's like it's a Zelda like it has all the Zelda conventions, but your character can only live for one minute, and then you're immediate you die, and then you're immediately sent back to your house. And the graphic style is very very similar. Um, uh, very, very basic, reminiscent of, you know, very older style games. And if you're looking at a game that, you know, harkens back to a simpler time of gameplay, uh, it can also be extremely comforting and nostalgic to have that style of graphics as well. Like almost a, I actually, I would argue that this is slightly more primitive than like Pokemon Red or Blue, but very close to that. Oh, I agree. hundred percent. When I, when I first booted it up and when I actually, when I saw everything about it before I even got my hands on it. I said, this is Pokemon. <laughs> like, this is the first, like, this is Pokemon Red. Like, this is the first, like, this reminds me of the first Game Boy game I really ever played. It's exactly like Pokemon, except you got to catch the same damn frog over yes. and over again instead of multiple. <laughs> yes. Got to catch, got to catch him once or uh, 100 times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's an achievement. So you have to do it. <laughs> Can you name the rabbit? It'd be really funny if you could name the rabbit Pikachu. No, you can't. You can't <laughs> name the rabbit. I guess you can name the rabbit in your heart, but. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't name him. There's, there's nothing really in terms of customization for that. No, you're, you're extremely limited. Um, that would be cool if they add more, you know, like a patch or a DLC for it down the road. I don't think that's going to happen, but it, it's, it is what it is. I mean, at the price point, it is. It's, it's definitely, you know, a must for anyone just looking to zen out. It's interesting that you mentioned the DLC because. Um, you and I, when we were figuring out this game, we were trying to figure out whether or not it was a sequel or a side story. There was a game, uh, Bit Orchard was released for Steam, uh, in 2021, and it was just called Bit Orchard, and it looked like the exact same game, mm -hmm. and it was released by Two Bone, uh, Games, and then, uh, very, very recently, it's been released for, uh, the Switch and Xbox, uh, by new publisher Red Deer Games, under the title Bit Orchard Animal Valley. And I did some research. It turns out that it's the same game. It's just uh, Bit Orchard, the PC version, got a massive expansion in uh, at the end of 2021 that included the village and a few other things like that. So this is kind of like the complete package. But if anyone out there is like trying to figure out, well, what version of it should I get? Should I get the one for, should I, like, is there a difference? Apparently... I can't say for certain because I haven't bought it, but apparently there is no difference between all of the versions of the games now, except for uh, the publisher and the platform. So Bit Orchard and Bit Orchard Animal Valley seem to be the same thing. Oh, so you don't have to pay extra for the PC? Uh, well, it depends on when you're going to buy it. For example, right now, this is Canadian dollars, mind you, like it's 40% off on Steam. So it's like six bucks, but normally it's 10 bucks. But for like the Nintendo Switch right now, it's on sale for 70% off and it's like three bucks. Oh, so yeah, research. I mean, if I was if I was playing it, I don't know if I would want to get it on Xbox. This does sound like it's a game that would benefit from being able to take it places and play it in bed or play it on the couch or whatever. So I would be I would want to get it on either Switch or PC so I could play it on Steam 100%, 100%. I mean, providing you can actually get a Steam Deck, but that's another that's another question. One day. Um, yeah, one day, one far off day, maybe the Steam Deck 2 or 3. I don't know. It sounds like they have a hit on their hands when it comes to the Steam Deck. A lot of people were really understandably skeptical going into this because of the 
uh, Steam Link and the Steam Controller, and they were kind of like, eh, Steam does a lot of things. But it seems like they genuinely have managed to tap into something here, and it seems like it's working. Um, I don't have one because I don't really play a lot of games portably. Even I, like my Switch, which I adore, I I play it docked. But uh, yeah, a lot of people like to like to play it on the bed and, and you know curl up in bed and play a Switch, and I think that's awesome. Just not how I play games. I don't really, I don't really see a Steam Deck in my future. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the list. I travel a lot, so I figured it's easier to do a portable console if I can. Give me a big screen and a graphics card to steer her by. <laughs> I don't have a gaming PC. I don't know when I'm getting a gaming PC. So if I can get my hands on a Steam Deck, I would love to be able to, you know, PC game without actually having a gaming PC. Yeah, and the compatibility of the thing is apparently fantastic now and getting better. Yeah, I've heard that too. So it's definitely something I'm keeping my eye out for and to be able to access games that I've wanted to play but I can't because they're not compatible on Mac Mm -hmm. would be amazing. Yeah, and I mean that unfortunately that compatibility for Mac is not going to be getting better anytime soon with with Mac dedicated chips now. Exactly. Do you have an M1 or an M2 or are you uh, on Intel? (laughs) I'm on Intel. I'm on a, I'm on a MacBook Pro 2014. 2014. Okay, I was gonna yeah. su- I was gonna suggest that you could always uh you could always dual boot if you're on an Intel Mac. But I mean, if it's 2014, the graphics card, the graphics performance isn't going to be exactly great enough to play a ton of stuff on Steam. My laptop is on its last legs, so I am trying to not do anything that's going to push it. You know completely like just be kind wreck it. exactly until i can get a new one um so i am looking to other options for gaming which is why i love my switch so much i love the switch yeah i didn't think i would love it as much as i did when i first got it and now i'm like oh my god i'm a switch gamer i'm back <laughs> to being you know i i could not get into the nintendo wii u but switch brought me back <laughs> Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a you problem. <laughs> I couldn't really get into the Wii or the Wii U either. No. I was happy with N64 and GameCube and Wii I had Wii I had a love-hate relationship with, but then you know, I'm like now I have all these my Wii U is just sitting there staring at me being like, "Why don't you love me anymore?" <laughs> you know, Aww. next to the Switch and my nephew actually came over and he thought the Wii U gamepad was a Switch. Like, I, I didn't have the heart to tell him, no, that's that's part of the console, man. <laughs> like, no. I didn't know how to tell him that. So, I mean, portability is everything. I mean, like you said, you hit it, you hit the, you hit it right on the nail. How, being able to just cuddle in bed or on the couch with a good game mm-hmm. is 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 awesome. No, I appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I mean, Steam Deck looks good. And I mean, the, frankly speaking, I want everyone who doesn't have a gaming PC or a PlayStation or a Xbox to get a Steam Deck so I can try to force them into playing Yakuza games, um, <laughs> which is, uh, oh my God, I cannot wait until Nikki gets her Steam Deck so I can make her play like a dragon. Um, but that's in the future. Uh, and this game is not like a dragon. This game looks, this game is a very different game, although I would actually very... Oh man, now I'm like on a Yakuza farming sim. Honestly, I mean, I know that... That could maybe work. Yeah, neither of you have played Yakuza, right? No, I've no, never played Yakuza. Yet. In the back never. of my mind, I'm like, honestly, I, I can see like a sub story in the Yakuza series where like a random person asks Kiryu for help on his farm as a mini game. Anyway, um, 
me talking about Yakuza is uh, a recurring theme on this podcast era. So, uh, and I've recommended everyone play it because it's awesome. Uh, but this game sounds like it is really, really cool. It sounds like it is a nice, low, uh, not low intensity, low impact game that's not going to take too much from you at a time where, frankly speaking, a lot of people don't actually have that much to give. Um, and it sounds like it is a really nice way to spend some time. A hundred percent. And it, I, I'm really enjoying my time with it. And I'm probably going to, you know, even after I finish the review, I'm probably going to keep playing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, and it also has a ton of replay value, too, I would imagine, because exactly. I, I would imagine that there is an end game of sorts to it. But I also would be very surprised if that end game was the end of the game. You could probably just keep, you know, farming apples forever. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Um. Well, that is one style of game, which is a throwback to the good old days of the uh, of the Game Boy. Um, but there are some other kinds of throwbacks and some older games that are or older systems that are still a little bit a little bit more advanced than that. And uh, the next game I want to talk about with you, Audra, actually, is something you have been reviewing for the site. And it's called uh, Anuchard. And Anuchard, yep. Anuchard, yes. And the second I looked at the graphics of this, I immediately thought, this looks like a PlayStation game. Like, this looks a lot like a... There's something about the style of it that really reminds me of, like, a fairly early-gen PSX game. I don't know oh, why. I hadn't even thought of that until you mentioned it, and now I'm like, yes. Yeah. I can actually see that with the graphics. There's something about the art style, especially, that it, it's, it looks like... I. It looks really, really cool. Um, so yeah, this is a uh, this is an action RPG, uh, dungeon crawler style game, and I just want to say that I, I've, I've you know I checked out your review. It's not on the site yet, but it, it will be. Uh, and you know your pull quote's really good, but I think the best pull quote's your first sentence, which is "Bells are awesome." <laughs> they are. <laughs> yes, as a as a fan of the Geomancer in Final Fantasy V, <laughs> you would know. So, uh, yeah, in this game, it seems that your weapon is not a sword or a staff. It's a bell. It is a bell. And you get to do a lot of fun things with the bell. That's like, amazing. Yeah. You can ricochet energy off of things and have slam enemies into walls. And Why don't you tell us a little bit about the game? Like, what what's the setup for it? The basic premise is that humanity once lived in a paradise utopia called Anuchard. And the guardians that gave them blessings suddenly up and left, basically, and retreated into what they call the dungeon. And so the vestiges of humanity have been trying to survive without them since then. But there's a special bell that chooses its wielder, and whoever is chosen by the bell can go into the dungeon and basically eventually confront the guardians for their blessings again. But there's also People have tried going into the dungeons and they never come back. They return as stone statues. So part of the bell wielder's duty is to go into the dungeon and find them using a relic of their soul and return their soul to their statue and revive them. That's got to that's gotta suck if you go into like the dungeon a hundred years ago and then you, all of a sudden you wake up a hundred years later. Yeah, they do have a few people that did that. <laughs> No, oh, okay. I mean, there's actually, it's an interesting story because at first I was like, oh, this is going to be more, it seemed kind of almost cutesy. Yeah. Like, like it's a... bright and colorful. And then the more you go into the storyline and they explain exactly why the Guardians left and what happened to make Utopia fall and everything, you're like, this is more of a comment, a darker commentary on humanity than I. It sounds like the plot of the upcoming Pixar Lightyear film, actually. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, it's a, it, it seems like it's a fairly classic uh, cast out of paradise kind of a story. And then it goes into some interesting places. Um, yeah. Well, before we talk about gameplay and stuff like that, I wanted to ask you, which I think from your review and from other things I've read about it, unfortunately, as interesting a setup as it is, and it's interesting as the story is, the game unfortunately runs into an issue uh, involving the uh, translation and localization. Yes. The, the story sounds like it's great. The writing is not. No, it's just very awkwardly worded and translated in a lot of parts. So I feel like they sometimes lose the meaning of what they're trying to convey. It, from everything you've said, this game seems like it would be, uh, it sounds like it has a really, really great setup and the potential for some really interesting characterizations with like characters coming back uh, after being away from the village for decades mm-hmm. uh and, but that kind of thing requires a little bit of finesse when it comes to writing and characterization it sounds like that was a little beyond the grasp of the localizers yeah unfortunately it's probably the biggest achilles heel i'd say of it that being said uh the gameplay itself is solid from what you from what i read here it's pretty fun you basically just you kind of bash things with the bell <laughs> when you have monsters on screen you solve puzzles by ricocheting balls into other areas and switches and stuff so you have to like time things perfectly and angle yourself just right that sounds a little bit like cross code actually yeah have you played cross code no i've just heard about it so it is kind of similar i think you'd really like it if you're looking for something to put on your backlog that you'll never get to because you're always reviewing like nine <laughs> games for the site uh cross code is a game i think you'd really enjoy i do have it on itchio it sounds like zelda this sounds like kind of combining elements from zelda yeah it's like it's a pretty classic dungeon crawling setup uh, with a mixture of you know combat and puzzle solving uh so the puzzle solving mechanics so it involves you you create a ball with the bell and then you bash the ball into things yes and you have to like time it to get it through like a barrier that'll pop up and it'll destroy the ball if you if it comes in contact with it and Mm. so it's an interesting setup and they actually there's one mechanic that they have that's called accessibility that i kind of adored what is it it's basically you can choose to tailor the damage that you take get into Mm -hmm. so you can actually take it down to 50% of damage or even turn it off completely if you're having like a really hard time with the ah, boss, okay. with the guardian boss fights which sometimes cuz there is only manual saving at certain points in the game Ooh. and never in a dungeon could have it actually was helpful that is a really neat feature yeah everything takes place in a so it's a single massive dungeon but yeah, that you explore different levels of. Yeah, so to get to another level, you need to find a guardian and unlock that blessing in order to get access to the deeper level. So it is a little bit like Zelda in mm-hmm. the classic, finding the piece of the Triforce or finding the the princess and the crystal or finding the instrument um, to get to the next level of or the next place, right? Right. Yeah, it's actually very similar to A Link to the Past, which I interviewed yes. recently. <laughs> uh, God, I love that game. Um, if you want to hear more about Link to the Past, uh, listen to last week's episode. <laughs> so we were talking a little bit about the, I guess you could say, the unfortunate lack of depth in terms of the characterization and writing. Does that also extend to like side content, the ga- side content in the game? What kind of side content is there in this? Or is it just dungeon crawling? There is. Each time you get a little free explore- exploration period where you can go around the village and you open up other safe areas as the game progresses. 
and you can do one side quest per every time you have to go into a dungeon. So there's one story side quest that is mostly like a fetching an item or finding a character and talking to them. Mm -hmm. And it basically just kind of uncovers a little bit more of the world and the characters. Like there's a little baby kangaroo that you have to find at one point, and his father is estranged museum curator wait the, fa- the father of the kangaroo yeah he's a talking kangaroo <laughs> so the characters are not just human in this yes there's a okay. few animals that are important that's cute yeah speaking of cute uh the characters in this game we were talking a little bit about the graphics in terms of it does look a little reminiscent of uh psx games but the characters themselves are very stylized and they don't actually have well faces, faces. yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of if you know about the these statues called Demdecos, they're like little angel statues that you can buy some times. I know here. them. Yeah. Yes, I know them. My mom has a couple. My dad got them for uh, I think a couple of birthdays. They remind me of them. Yeah, you're right. They do look a little bit like them, don't they? A little less angelic, but yes. <laughs> and they try to counter that by making them have colorful personalities, but unfortunately that going into gets the writing lost again. into the yeah the writing and they kind of do little emoji expressions like they'll have a little text bubble show up with a, like a if someone's angry they'll have an angry emoji <laughs> stuff so they try it's a very unique look i'm not sure it's going to appeal to everyone but i think it works for this game i think it looks great mm-hmm. um but then again it's it's hitting me right in right where i live in terms of uh graphics um how's the music i love the music Especially the dungeon themes were actually quite catchy. Well, that's a relief because you're spending most of your time there, it sounds. Mm-hmm. And it's not a too lengthy of a game. It's about, I'd say, two hours for every dungeon crawl you have to do. Okay. If you do, if you try to do the side quests and the, and you can like actually upgrade your village to make it look prettier. I wish they had more side quests and some content, but it's you mentioned that it it's it feels like a complete experience, mm-hmm. which yeah, is important. I, yeah, I just I would have liked more side quests a little bit because I'm like, oh, only one. <laughs> but it's weird because with this mechanic of you know on finding the statues, bringing the statues back to life, like that opens a lot of doors to bringing a lot of interesting characters and some interesting side quests into it. Like I don't know, helping someone find a the grave of someone they left behind like a hundred years before or something like that. Just I'm making that up completely off the top of my head, but like, it seems like there's a point of you could, there's potential for drama there. Yes. And they do have moments where they try to go into the drama a little bit. Like mm. you find a decrepit city and it turns out people have been going into the dungeon on purpose. Mm. And so you have to deal with the aftermath of that. And uh, there's a little bit there, but it's just, unfortunately I feel like it's just not, explored as much as it could have been not everything needs to reinvent the wheel i mean sometimes uh, a fun experience is a fun experience and it sounds like this offers a pretty solid action rpg that doesn't necessarily bring anything new to the table but that's not necessarily a bad thing and it's fun actually just going into the dungeon and whacking stuff with the bell (laughs) i mean honestly (laughs) that's awesome i love that if you've been looking for a game where you get to whack things with a giant bell, then this is the game for you. Yes, wholeheartedly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you one more thing because it's something I—it's something in your review you mentioned. 
uh, uh, holograms. Yes, when you explore the dungeons, you come across holograms of some of the people who have gone into the dungeon before you. Can you interact with them? Like, you, are they intelligent holograms or are they just recordings? Just recordings. Okay. So it's more just to offer an insight into what they were doing going in there in the first place. Yeah, the uh, the overhead action RPG equivalent of like an audiobook or an audio mm-hmm. log, I mean. Yep. Okay. Well, this seems like the kind of game that if you're looking for a Zelda-esque experience, that you could do far worse than this kind of thing. And it it does bring a little fun to the table and just food for thought sometimes of the ending in particular. It's really interesting to me that the writing offers that level of depth and darkness, whereas the actual like dialogue and stuff like that can't really keep up with it so uh, this this was it wasn't the original language right but this was in another like another country developed the game and then they did a localization yeah so it's an indonesian developer okay then see that's a real shame because it makes me wonder uh how the game would be in its original language and whether or not it would uh whether or not it would really hit home like if there's some really deep stuff you could dig into here but i mean i guess we won't know because you know this is what we get. We get this localization. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. I guess, I mean, we should consider ourselves fortunate that we got it at all. Yes. I think it's fun enough to try playing it. And it's available on uh, PC. What other platforms is it on? Is it just on PC? I played it on the Switch. Actually, my <sighs> Switch Lite, it was a very good portable game. Ah, the Switch Lite. A system yes. that I will never use, but appreciate on a number of levels. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's on uh, Steam, Switch, and that's that looks like it which is all you really need, especially if you have a Steam Deck. Um, It's interesting, when you were talking about the uh, puzzle-solving mechanics, it really did remind me a bit of CrossCode. And the reason why that was really front of mind for me was because I, like I mentioned in the little preamble that we did early on, I did a massive DLC cleanup, and one of the pieces of DLC that I cleaned up was CrossCode A New Home. Uh, Now, CrossCode is a game that I, I enjoyed. I wrote a review for it. It was... A, I developed such a case of writer's block about this game. I beat it, I enjoyed it, and I could not write the review. It was really, really tough to write the review for this game. I don't know why. I just had many, many thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of the DLC, uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but because there's the DLC is like nothing but spoilers. It would ruin the whole <laughs> game. Um, but it picks up right where the end of the game, uh, right where the end of the game, uh, it ends off and you can pick right up again. So it's a classic story piece of DLC that extends the story onward. Um, and it's more cross code, which is not a bad thing. Like it's really, really solid, uh, action RPG, uh, combat that uses, uh, you know, classic hack and slash, but also using uh, projectiles as weapons uh, mm. and various kind of elements and things like that. The game looks just jaw-dropping stunning, just like it's original. It's 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 some of the best pixel art, I think, in the last five to ten years. Like, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous-looking game. Um, I think, and I mean, I love the story. I love the characters. Again, the characters were just as great as they were uh, in the original the main character, Leah, is the most adorable, one of the most adorable characters I've ever seen. She is just a delight on every conceivable level. My biggest problem with this piece of DLC is that it's the same problem I had with the game, which is the game itself takes place in an MMO. Like, it, it, it's not an MMO, but it takes place in an MMO. So, like, oh, as a character, you are, as a character, you are doing, like, uh, you're doing raids and going into dungeons and things like that with, like, your friends that you meet in the MMO. 
Um, Interesting. It's a really cool conceit and it really, really works uh, for a while. But my problem with it is because of that, a lot of the actual dungeon crawling and uh, like doing raids and things like that lacks stakes for me. Like there's nothing really at stake because this is just a bunch of people that are playing this this made up MMO in this world um, uh, to like blow off steam or to have fun. And because of that, while it deepens characterizations and, and, you know, develops uh, relationships, it doesn't really do a whole lot to uh, build stakes. Like sometimes I will complete a dungeon and I'll be like, okay, well I got, I got a new element from that dungeon, but that's pretty much it. Like I didn't, I don't, I didn't really care about the storyline that was happening in the MMO. Uh, which is very well done as it is. Like it doesn't feel like a parody of an MMO. It feels, you know, it feels pretty well fleshed out, but it kind of continues that from the main game. Um, and you know what? Opinions vary about this. Uh, Alana and I have talked about cross code before and Alana very, uh, she was talking when she reviewed the game, she was talking a lot about getting back into final fantasy 14 uh, around the same time. And because of that, a lot of what was happening in cross code, a new home, the DLC that she reviewed really hit home with her because she was experiencing a lot of the same things in real life, which is, you know, returning to, uh, an MMO that you loved, but you've been taking a lot of time off. So it's like, you're kind of returning home, but it's changed. And some of the people that you used to know are changed. And that's a really cool thing. Um, as a piece of DLC, if, if you have cross code and you enjoyed it and you didn't buy the DLC, I highly recommend getting this. It's more of the same, but it's very, very good. There are a few new areas uh, you can explore, and uh, you get to spend some more time with some really, really great characters. This game has a fantastic cast, so highly recommend uh, this particular piece of DLC. And I highly recommend to both of you, if you're looking for a good action RPG, CrossCode is solid. I will say that there is some slowdown on the Switch version, but it's nothing that will really hurt your experience too much i would definitely love to check it out it's on my backlog yeah it's yeah, I, I know it's on your backlog it's your backlog scares me audra <laughs> <laughs> oh man i would love to check it out seriously it sounds it sounds like something i would definitely be interested in i think you'd like it uh i think everyone would like it if you love a good action rpg it's 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 very meta because i mean like i mentioned it is the entire con- conceit of the game is meta it's, it takes place in an mmo but uh mm-hmm. it's really really well done um, and although this, the stakes issue did bother me in, in terms of, uh, the plot a little bit, it, it, it's not, it, you get over it fast. Um, another piece of DLC that I have tackled in the last few weeks is for, uh, believe it or not, a Yakuza game. I get to talk about Yakuza again. Uh, Lost Judgment, uh, Kaido Files got released, uh, and this is a, uh, it's a, it's a side story, I guess you can say, from Lost Judgment. It's not a continuation it takes place after Lost Judgment. Uh, uh, Yagami is uh, out of town on a case of his own, and a very, very rich client comes to the door of the detective agency, and uh, Yagami's partner, uh, Kaito, uh, decides to handle the case himself, but he soon discovers that there are elements of the case that have significant ties to his past. Um, I love I love Yakuza generally. Lost Judgment and the Judgment series is uh, fantastic, and it's a really, really great place for... Uh, people who are feeling intimidated by the Yakuza series to get into it because it's completely separated from uh, the main series, though it takes place in the same locations, uh, which, and the gameplay is very, very similar. 
Um, Lost Judgment was absolutely excellent. This continues that the writing is top-notch, acting is exceptional, graphics look really, really good. This piece of DLC is basically Yakuza, but really stripped back. It reminds me a lot of there was a uh, the Majima Saga was released with uh, Yakuza Kiwame 2, and it was it, that was a DLC in all but name. It was like a side story. Uh, and in this particular uh, in this particular DLC, there are no sub stories, there are no side quests or anything like that, uh, which are Yakuza staples. There's still the mini games all over town, which you can play, but there's no real reason to play them, especially if you've played the uh, main game. The whole reason you're coming here is because it's a very story-focused DLC. Um, and I got to be honest, it, no spoilers uh, in terms of the actual things, but it is brutal. I don't think I've ever seen a Yakuza game as absolutely brutal and bloody and hard-hitting as this. It really, really is. Uh, uh, it, it, it hits hard. Um, yeah, some really, really good characterization, good character development that I hope gets carried into Whatever the next Judgment title is, it, it title is, if we get another Judgment title, I, I really hope we do. But yeah, again, really worth the money. Um, not a full Yakuza game, but if you love Yakuza and you're looking for a fix, and uh, let's see, we're recording this on the 27th. On the 29th, there's going to be a Yakuza announcement of some kind. People have Ooh. their fingers crossed it's going to be uh, Yakuza 8. I certainly do. But if you are looking for Yakuza before then... Uh, yeah, this is a good place to go. So yeah, those are the two deal, uh, the RPG DLC uh, stuff that I've played in the last few weeks. Um, aside from that, just mentioning it, they're not RPGs, but I might as well mention it. Uh, I played uh, Super Mario World 3D World Bowser's Fury. Uh, I played 3D World years ago, so I didn't replay play it on the Switch, but Bowser's Fury was friggin' awesome. I loved it. Um, it's, it's like a cross between Odyssey and... Uh, and obviously 3D World uses the 3D World engine and mechanics, but it has the, like, there are stars, or in this case, cat shrines around every corner. Uh, and it and it's an open world style of uh, Mario game. And it kind of plays as what I assume is going to be a prototype for a Mario game in the future that's much more open world. Uh, and if this is the case, I'm on board. I, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, and it's not technically DLC, but it's, kind of dlc it feels like dlc um and the other game which i played which is tendentially in our coverage because it's a metroidvania but it's not our kind of metroidvania <laughs> uh is axiom verge 2 um so this is very much in the 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 metroid of metroidvania rather than the castlevania of metroidvania um axiom verge was a in my opinion a pitch perfect homage to metroid i loved it i thought it was fantastic uh, some really interesting lore there. I was really disappointed by this game. I was really disappointed by it because I loved the first one. And uh, this game, controls controls are absolutely excellent. Uh, there's some really intriguing ideas here and kind of a cool story as well. But it just doesn't tie together for me. Um, and part of the reason why is because uh, they made boss fights optional. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, and there are some places in the game where the, some of the most challenging fights... You can't die. Um, and for me, maybe for other people it wouldn't. Like we, you were talking about accessibility options a minute ago, Audra. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think accessibility options are awesome because it tailors the difficulty to your level. Um, and for me, Axiom Verge was, it wasn't just easy. It was like, it was beyond easy. And I oh, wish that yeah. it was like the anti-Sultan Sanctuary for me. Um, and I, I liked a lot of it, but I was still super disappointed by it. And I think that can be true. I think you can like something and still be disappointed by it. Mm -hmm. 
But if you enjoyed the first Axiom Verge, uh, you know, check it out because it's it's worth it. It's a solid Metroidvania in terms of in terms of uh, the controls and things like that. I just feel that it doesn't it didn't really come together in the end to the point where like I fought the last boss and then discovered oh this is the end of the game huh oh wow yeah. Um, which was a surprise. I thought I at least had a little bit longer left and it wasn't because the game was short. It was just the way it was paced was very strange. And I think that's because boss fights do much more than just uh, provide you with a challenge. They act as like end of chapters or like mental breaks Mm -hmm. that kind of break the game up in your mind. And if they're optional, and I fought all the bosses, but like if they're optional and they don't provide you with any amount of real challenge, it doesn't provide you with that same sense of progression. And without that same sense of progression, it's easy to get lost in the uh, the flow of the game and not in a good way of getting lost in it. It's, it's See, I still thought the Anuchard ones were challenging even if you turned on the accessibility mm-hmm. just because it was more like you had individual puzzle strategies you had to come up with for each boss fight. Doesn't quite sound like it does that. Well, that's the, that's the beauty of a good dungeon crawler uh, Zelda-like is that technically the bosses shouldn't just be whack with stick until mm-hmm. boss fall down. They should be puzzles that you have to solve using the items that you received in the dungeon. How did somebody, they should be a last exam of what you've learned. Um, And I didn't feel like there were any last exams in this game, Um, which is a shame, but I still liked it. And yeah. So anyway, I've, I got through a lot of gaming this last, the last two weeks since I finished uh, Deus Ex. Um, But I wanted to ask the two of you a discussion question now because i've been playing through this dlc and i'm just curious where you're coming from on this uh what is your favorite kind of dlc like do you prefer there to be like a whole big chunk of new story in the middle of at the end of the game or do you prefer like a mid uh, mid piece of dlc where it's like there's a you you go it's not at the end of the game it's like a, a it's almost like a mid quill where you have to go you're in still in the middle of the game and you get like an entirely new adventure in the middle of the game or do you prefer like new gameplay mechanics and gameplay? Or do you just prefer simply like new coat of paint with shiny cosmetics? Uh, Audra, what is your favorite kind of DLC? Probably the from a story's point of view, it would be the middle, the new adventure in the middle of the main storyline. Yeah. <laughs> just um, I'm not a fan of when games maybe hide like their true ending behind a paywall. Mm-hmm. I'm not so big on that, but I've some of the, most fun I had with story DLC was like in Mass Effect 3, the Citadel. Oh, yeah. It was okay. to me just a genius because it was the mm-hmm. characters just having fun mm-hmm. and even kind of mocking the game itself. So it was, I thought that was a nice touch. And actually, Mass Effect 3 had some pretty good DLC that was mid game. Other than that, I like cosmetic. <laughs> I love my rainbow hair. <laughs> I'm actually super excited to get into Mass Effect this year. I'm, it, it, it's going to be, it's not, it's very much on my to-do list for this year. Yeah. So I'm, I'm at some point this year, I'm going to be playing the first one. And if the first one holds up as much as I, exp- if it's as good as I think it's going to be, I suspect that two and three will be followed very shortly thereafter. Hopefully. I had fun with it. Tara, what kind of DLC do you prefer? Definitely not just cosmetics. <laughs> <laughs> um, 100%. Um, I kind of have to agree with Audra. Um. I would like to see something kind of in the middle of when I'm playing through a great story and thinking back to Dragon Age 2 um, with the DLCs that came out for that, um, that you could access um, kind of once you hit a certain point, you could access those expanded like stories 
that weren't necessary to actually completing the overall game. Mm-hmm. Um, I like those kind of DLCs. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you had to pay extra for them, but to me, they were worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to something like with, you know, Animal Crossing gave us, you know, a whole new island to kind of design stuff on. So it basically combined um, the 3DS game with the Switch title, which was designing homes for animals. So, but that is is kind of behind a huge paywall, which I, I really don't like. Mm. Um, I also have to agree with Audra that um, a true ending should not be hidden behind any type of paywall. Yeah. it Like, I mean... A more recent example, I guess you could say, would be Kingdom Hearts 3 um, with the DLC that came out for that. Oh, yeah. Because you could say that that DLC is really the true ending for Sora with Kingdom Hearts 3 um, as opposed to what we saw in the full game. So unless you were willing to spend the money, which I'm sure most Kingdom Hearts fans would do. Square Enix certainly has their fingers crossed about that one. Exactly. You wouldn't you wouldn't get the full experience. I mean, Animal Crossing, you know, it's a touchy subject with that because you need the Nintendo Switch Online subscription, which if you're Canadian, it's it's really expensive. It's not cheap. Yeah, exactly. Compared to um, if you're if you're in the US. So um, for what you get, I mean, it's worth it, but it's pricey. Um, like um, what I, I want to see more of what Stardew did which is the expanded stuff was included. It wasn't, you didn't have to pay extra money for it. Mm. Um, Nintendo started offering extra DLC for free once you bought the base game, which I really liked. So these aren't RPGs, but just examples like Mario Tennis, you got new, you got new characters, you got new courses, you got new modes, Pokemon, like the new Pokemon Snap, you got, Again, new maps to explore, new um, a new mode, more Pokemon to snap. It's things like that, and I want to see more of that. Mm. I I understand that they need to make money, but I think it there has to be a balance between you know like oh my god I have to pay thirty bucks for this DLC as <laughs> opposed to like oh it's it's a free download. Mm-hmm. So I I definitely want to see more of that in the future, but um. In terms of story, yeah, it needs to be in the middle and it needs to be accessible. Like, you know, once I download it, it's accessible. So I don't have to worry about that. Um, But who knows? I mean, hopefully that's we're going in the right direction. Hopefully. It would be nice. (laughs) I mean, I've been experiencing a lot of DLC lately on a number of like Horizon Zero Dawn's DLC uh, can be done at any point in the game. Um, But like the game ends, it ends. It's not, once the game ends, you're just kind of, you're reset to the world just pre-end of game and you can go back and do it again. Now, I I feel like that would drive me a little crazy if I had played Zero Dawn when it first came out and then I had gotten, you know, I, I bought the DLC and I, I couldn't play as Aloy after the game. I would have to play as her just pre-end of the game, if that makes any sense at all. Um, yeah. If, if it's perfectly integrated into the game and I can play it, as I play the game, that's great. Like one of the things about uh, Deus Ex uh, Mankind Divided that drove me a little crazy is there was some DLC for the game and it was actually pretty good DLC, story DLC, uh, three pieces, but all three of them happened like, one of them happened in the middle of the game, but you couldn't play it in the middle of the game. So you beat the game and then this this piece of DLC, it, it felt like it was a mission that was cut from the game. 
So you're kind of like playing through a deleted scene sort of feeling is what it felt like. And I was just like, well, there's no tension here. There's no real interest because I know, I know the solution. I know all of the plot twists. I know what's going to happen. So I know that any information that I uncover on this mission is not really going to be interesting to me because I, I, I know what already happens. It, mm-hmm. It's if they had integrated that DLC into the game proper, I could have enjoyed it. Exactly. Which is one of the reasons I appreciate what you're both saying about like midquel uh, content. I kind of like, I kind of like uh, post game DLC provided that it's not, as you said, locking the true ending behind a paywall that yeah. drives me crazy. But if it's a continuation of the story or it takes your characters to another place, or in the case of like horizon uh, zero dawn and what I suspect is going to be the DLC for forbidden West um if they release it it's not announced it's it's there it, i imagine that they're using it as like a setup for the sequel to explore certain mechanics and uh a character states and struggles it's almost like a tease of the sequel because that's mm-hmm. what that's what zero dawn's dlc gotcha. felt for me it felt like a it felt like a almost a prototype for what became forbidden west um and i'm hoping that forbidden west's dlc does the same for whatever horizon Three is God. I want more Horizon. I guess kind of like the Dragon Age Origin, mm. where they had like a side story. Oh, that yeah. had a lot of DLC. Oh my gosh, tons of DLC. Fallout used to do this. Um, like the deals, the main DLC for uh, Fallout Three was post game. Like Fallout Three ends with this. Uh, actually, no, I'm not going to spoil it. it. It it ends with a big moment. That and you know it's it's a it's a big ending and then you turn on the DLC and it's post game and it immediately undercuts the ending and it takes place in the world post game, um, but then there are other DLC other DLC that you can play through uh, that integrates into the game proper um, and you can do it any time and that yeah I think that's the kind I I like that kind of DLC anyway the point is DLC is a very it's still a very hot topic because sometimes it's worth it sometimes it's not. Um, and Tara, I think you're right. Hopefully they are going in the right direction with it because people are demanding more now. God Eater 3 has free DLC. I want to see, yeah, like I want to, I want to see a good balance between free and paid DLC. Mm -hmm. Um, like for example, like if I paid like 70, 80, 90 bucks for a game Mm -hmm. and then you're saying this DLC is going to cost you like between 30 and 40. That's pricey. Yeah. And people are going to question whether, you know, it's worth it or not. Like, what am I getting for this extra 40 bucks? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I, I think. I think developers are starting to ask that question themselves about whether or not gamers want that. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it it's really, you know, kind of a wait and see kind of thing going forward. And I think, um, with us all having been stuck at home the last two and a half years, I think they're realizing that, yes, we're craving more and more, but a lot of people just really can't afford that. So maybe making it more accessible to everybody would be the best option, I think, just to keep everybody happy. I think it I think it depends on the developer, though, right? And the publisher. Yeah. I mean, like big, <laughs> yeah. big ones can afford to give it for free. Other ones, yeah, they, they, they need to make money. But I think it also comes just down to deciding just how much it's worth, right? For what you're getting. Like, are you getting bang for your buck? Indie games, generally speaking, do DLC very well. I mean, if you want the gold standard of DLC, look to uh, 
Hollow Knight or uh, Shovel Knight. Exactly. Oh god, Shovel Knight's DLCs. I can't believe that they spent like can't believe they spent like a half a decade just making DLC that's as good as the original game and is as expansive as the original game. It's the, the best value for your money. If you're looking for a side scroller in the Mega Man style, go get Shovel Knight Treasure Trove. Oh, best value for your money. You're going to buy and get video games right now, in my opinion. Well, anyway, I want to thank you both very much for coming on to this episode of Random Encounter. Tara, thank you so much for coming on for your first time. Thank you. I know that coming on to a podcast for the first time can often be a little bit nerve-wracking, but you were fantastic, and I enjoyed talking to you about uh, Bit Orchard very, very much. Thank you so much. It was lovely being here, and I hope to come back for future episodes. <laughs> I, uh, Canadians are always welcome, as are <laughs> Americans and, and Brits and everybody else. Thank you. In the meantime, if you want to check out some of our past episodes of Random Encounter, that have many Canadians and Brits and and Americans on it, uh, you can check them out. There's 240 episodes of it. So if you have a favorite game, uh, you can take a look back and check and see if we talk about it. Uh, sometimes, you know, you get to hear opinions that are like, wow, you know, you, you get to look back with hindsight and be like, wow, that was completely wrong. And you're probably going to hear a few of those in a couple of weeks when we start doing our uh, our E3 season episodes. And we start looking at like previews of games and we're like, this is going to be the game of the year. And then it turns out to be Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> okay, um, no, it's, it's very laughable. Um, you, if you want to check out some of the other podcasts we have here at uh, RPG Fan, we have Retro Encounter, which is a podcast that looks back on all things retro and focuses on uh, retro games from the last, I think, five years, I think five years ago and beyond. Uh, right now it's on hiatus. Uh, it's expected to be back in a few months. Mike Solosi is taking some very well-deserved time off, and uh, but you will have more retro uh, very soon. And if you can't wait, you have a lot of retro in the past. You have a couple hundred episodes. So check those out. We also have Rhythm Encounter, which is RPG Fans Music Podcast. The last episode was Cafe and Chill which was a, a cool episode that uh, brought a lot of, uh, if you like coffee, that's the, or co if you like coffee or, and or Oreos, that's the episode yes. to listen to. <laughs> I love Oreos, so <laughs> I'll yes. check it out. Um, the next episode coming up is a really interesting episode, which is video game music for life events. So like weddings and things like that. So if you, if you, uh, if you are planning your wedding and you're like, I really, really want there to be like, I don't know, you want, you want your uh, your wedding song to be Dancing Mad. That would be the episode to bring it on to. Um, and uh, you can also check out our karaoke episode, if you haven't already, where I am hosting an episode of Rhythm Encounter where RPG fan uh, staff members come on and they sing some of your favorite songs from RPGs. It was a blast. And uh, just just listen to it. It's so dumb. And I love it. It's <laughs> I just love it. I just loved it so much. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with me here at Random Encounter, you can fire me off a message at podcast at rpgfan.com. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, if you have any ideas for any future episodes or uh, discussion questions like the one we were just talking about DLC, if you have anything you'd like to hear us chat about, uh, send me a question and I will feature it on the show. If you'd like to send me an email to my personal email, you can do so at jloganrpgfan.com, or you can also find me on Twitter at jono underscore Logan. Uh, I'm not the only person on this podcast with an online presence. Audra, where can we find you online? Audra B at rpgfan.com. Cool. And Tara, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at, at Tara Blair. Cool. Uh, if you listening have enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends. You can help us get the word out there about it. You can rate us on iTunes or your other podcast player of choice. Uh, I'd like to thank you very, very much for joining us. I'd like to thank everyone on this podcast uh, for joining me for this lovely Wednesday evening. And uh, you out there, whatever you're playing, have fun.